Welcome back to another episode of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 91. This episode is with Pierre Barriou, a high-performance expert and consultant. Pierre came on to talk about his top advice for coaches looking to work in club football. He spoke about developing soft skills and the importance of soft, soft skills in coaching. We spoke about his views on periodization. Um, whether it's needed, whether it's required and some of his um, biggest experiences with periodization. We spoke about fatigue, what causes fatigue, all the different elements that, that cause fatigue and then also some strategies of managing fatigue as well. And um, what I, the title of the podcast, How to Have the Greatest Impact. So we spoke about some um, specific examples of where Pierre was, me- was able to make the greatest impact as a coach. And um, he mentioned a few players that he'd worked with um, and some situations where he was able to have the greatest impact. So Pierre's someone with, um, I'm sure you know, a, a vast amount of experience, uh, been at some great clubs, like he mentioned in the episode. So it was great to have him on and discuss all these topics. So I hope you take plenty from this one. Um, it's another great episode to go with the last few. I think we've had some superb content from the guys that have been on the last few episodes. So a big thank you to all of those guys that have been on and a big thank you to Pierre as well. Um, as always, please share the show. Share it with friends, family, colleagues, anyone you think may benefit from the content on the show. Um, Give it a tag on Twitter, Instagram, or send it out on message to people as well. Really do appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed the episode with Pierre. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 91. I am delighted today to be joined by Pierre Barriou. Pierre, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. There was a little bit of pressure on that um, going live with the podcast, but hopefully, hopefully I got it right. Um, but you no, thank you very much for coming on, mate. I really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, it's going to be great to, to chat with you and go through your career. So, do you want to? I didn't mention you. You are a high performance, um, high performance expert and consultant. But with that, we're going to dive back into your career so far and go into some of your experiences. So, do you want to just take us through the roles you've had, where you've been, and take us up to current day? Sure. Uh, uh, I go quickly. Um, so, basically, um, you know, I've, I'm originally from France, moved to the US after World Cup '98. You know, back then, I don't know how it was in England, but uh, back then there wasn't much other than my university teacher, you know, dealing with uh, conditioning and, and, and football. Let's call it football for this podcast, just to be clear. Um, makes it easy on me. Uh, I spent, I coached in the U.S. at the university level, at Virginia, which is, uh, when I say coach, we're talking um, my area of expertise, obviously performance, that's why I'm here with you guys today. But I've also done some quote-unquote regular coaching at uh, times. So anyway, uh, I was at Virginia for three years. I was with the, uh, the USA, uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation for 11. Most of these with the national team as, as the head of performance for the federation. I went to the UAE for three years, same role, assistant coach, national team, head of performance. Um, and then I, I went to the... Uh, 
I embarked on a more regular coaching uh, career, you know, which means by regular, I mean unstable. Uh, briefly was at uh, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, started working for FIFA as an instructor, uh, which I still do. Uh, went to France, Norway, uh, England again in the Premier League, briefly at Swansea, and then I've been with the Galaxy since August of 17. This finished, so uh, this year I'm just, I didn't want to dive into the club environment, so I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little break. I'm doing a lot of uh, professional development. Uh, I'm taking the time to do things like the one we're doing today. And I'm also involved with FIFA um, a little more this year as part of a uh, high-performance uh, ecosystem analysis that they have worldwide for 2020. Awesome. It's really interesting to get your, your thoughts and opinions on that, that club environment because... We've spoke to a lot of people before. It, is, it can be quite an unstable environment, can't it, like you touched on then. So what's your general views on that? Is it something that you're going to look in, to go back into in the future or are you take, looking at other avenues? Well, yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still young. Uh, I've been around, you know, I started young. You know, that's the thing. You know, I, I started young, so I've been doing it uh, for 20 plus years. Uh, I started when there were no one, you know, pretty much in the world of performance. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, I'm looking, you know, we, we all love it. You know, you're, you, I don't want to talk for other people where I was about to say we miss the field, but, you know, I, I do miss the field, uh, the day-to-day. The day-to-day, you know, I, I've been with national teams for a long time. It's a different pace, and I love that pace. You know, and a lot of people prefer the club environment. For me, it's fun. Mine doesn't matter, you know, I'd be fine with the national team. But to answer your question, yes, I'm, I'm looking to go back. But the instability and all this, you know, we have different, fa- different stages in our life. You know, I have three kids. Um, we, moved a, we moved a lot. So it's interesting because now one, you're down to two in my case, and you see things differently. You know, it's, it's just as much of a, not as much of a headache anymore, almost overnight. So yeah, obviously looking to uh, to find the next uh, the next challenge, you know, within a, within a club because um, this is what I this is what I love. And can you go into any more detail on your role with FIFA? Is, is there anything in particular that you can any information you can give? What does that look like? Your role? Sure, I've been an instructor. Uh, first of all, I've been an instructor for FIFA since fourteen, as I mentioned. So I was running this session. This uh, Coaching session, uh, mostly uh, on, the, on the physical side, it was called uh, um, uh, physical preparation, integrated physical preparation in small-sided games. So this was a course designed for countries that didn't have access to much technology to, you know, to give them the knowledge um, so that they can tilt the sessions, you know, on the physical side, more or less. Uh, so I'm talking the past, at the past tense because this year FIFA decided to, uh, to really um, uh, go, in, yeah, go to a new direction in terms of this uh, professional development, all these courses. So the phase one of this new era is to, um, to do an audit of 
what's going on in 2020 in the world uh, in terms of your development. So, so I'm fortunate to be part of this uh, ecosystem analysis. Uh, it's 15 of us. Some of them you may know, um, like a Steve McLaren, for example. Um, so there's a panel of ex-coaches uh, on, on the boys' side, or on the men's side, on the women's side, national team coaches. There is uh, two physical instructors, I'm one of them. Uh, and there's also some people coming from the private sector. You know, uh, the one thing we have in common is the is the football. But you have some high exec at uh, Nike, for example. Uh, so we are coming from football, but we have different view. And then you know, once we get this set of data after uh, after having um, analyzed all these countries, I think we're going to be doing 191 countries. So it's 15 teams. You do the math. You know, we. The, the world, you know, we each have a, a little part of the world. Uh, then there will be a different set of eyes, you know, to look at this data, so that the uh, the, the final conclusions are, should be pretty uh, pretty thorough. Oh, that sounds awesome. And you you mentioned before we started recording that, that COVID has had a little, well, a little a big impact on on that because it's, it's affected travel and all the rest of it. So I guess it's it's switched the way that you've got to work and and uh, work with these countries. Yes, I mean, yeah, of course, what a timing, you know. And then, you know, the, the options were, you know, once the, we actually had, a, um, we, we, we've been having workshops, you know, to prepare for this analysis. And then obviously during the last workshop in Zurich, um, actually the workshop was supposed to be in Rome already and move, get moved to Zurich because this is early March. Uh, and then obviously this is where the pandemic started, you know, the travel ban and uh, to fly back to the US. And eventually we decided that, you know, um, the on-site the on-site visit would be replaced by uh, by online analysis. So you know, it doesn't change much because we we are talking in average, you know, to fifteen to seventeen uh, stakeholders. You know, in each different member associations, it's a little bit more of a um, organiz- organizational organizational. Help me out with this one. Headache. Uh, when you have to do a video conference, you know, as opposed to uh, moving to, uh, from an office to another. Uh, but yeah, so this this is uh, you know the goal of this is to uh, we forgot to mention what's the, the the most important part of all this is that this 2020 analysis is going to lead to uh, to data, and then uh, it's going to be the base for future um, content for future uh, uh, development courses, and this would be. And this would be caters to each each country needs. And example, you know, I don't know if there's a you know you're going to cluster countries that needs a lot of support when it comes to uh, to high performance, you know, and then uh, develop these new courses adapted to their needs, and then eventually uh, um, deliver the course on site. Well, that sounds amazing. That sounds like it's going to really develop the. Um the sort of structure of what's going on behind the scenes in, as football, in football as a whole, doesn't it? And it'd be really interesting to see some of the findings of that. Yeah, I mean, our, our motto is uh, give every talent a chance, you know, uh, and then have every country reach the potential. So, as you know, it's uh, UEFA is a juggernaut. I mean, we all know this. It's a, it's a vacuum, you know, when it comes to talent, when it comes to everything else. So, um, FIFA want to make sure that you know they provide um, 
the world, you know, literally the world, you know, what they need in order for, in order for them to get better and to make football more competitive all across the world. And, and so the kid that grows up, you know, I don't even know about the kid that grows up in Niger. The kid that grows up in Niger is not my country. The, 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 the kid that grows up in, in the desert, like uh, 1,500 kilometers from the capital city, as a chance to uh, not only be an artist and then you know grow and develop just like any other kid in this country. Yeah, that's awesome because there's plenty of talent out there, isn't there? But one thing there that is. we were going to dive into, Pierre, and get your view on is, and coaches, um, well, especially students, people get into the back end of, of degrees or possibly even post-grads very early on in careers or even people in within jobs that are still early within a career, this is the time to sort of listen up and get your notepads out because we're going to dive into some of your advice for people in those roles. And the big thing in, in reference to that is what do you feel that is missing in the university setting on these courses that are available that practitioners are going to need to work day to day in a club environment? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we, we've talked about we've talked about you know some of the topics we will discuss during this uh, the podcast, and uh, that's one thing I've had in mind for a while. You know, so I'm not I'm, I, I can't answer the question in terms of this is what's missing because I'm not part of this uh, curriculum yet. You know, the one feedback I can, I can give and, and I have I've reached out to university here in my area in Southern California um, is. What I've observed for the many interns I've had over my years. Um, so basically, and again, it's never a generality. Um, but overall, you know, I've noticed that a lot of the interns I get, you know, have knowledge, you know, are knowledgeable, no question about it, are very eager, you know, and uh, so they're willing and able, let's put it this way, uh, and they have something to offer. You know, so that that's that was the given. Now, on the other side, I've also um, noticed over the years that very few of them were ready to be inserted. You know, all of a sudden, you know, into a team environment. And this is what gets me thinking: is this, you know, what's what's missing out there? Um, and then my conclusions over, you know, uh, I would say a sample of. No, 20 to 30 students that I've had uh, throughout my time in different clubs in different countries as well, by the way, uh, is this, you know, they're missing what they don't get over there, which is a practical experience, you know? So some of them, some of them can make up for this because they come from football, let's say, uh, and because they come into a, a team with an idea of what the team dynamics are, not so much a coaching dynamics because, you know, they haven't been on that side yet. Um, you know, obviously we're talking team sports. Team sports are different than individual sports. So, yeah, I think what's missing, it again, is I don't want to talk about, it's not common sense, but I would say um, uh, emotional intelligence, you know, social skills around in, in a team environment. Um, uh, you know, pick, pick your time, you know, who you're going to talk, at what point the... the uh, the hierarchy in the, in the teams, you know, getting a feel for, you're not taught this, you know, this is something that you have to, you have to develop the eye for it. You know, you take a, you take a look at the locker room and then you know, you know, who's the leader, 
who's the, who are the followers, you know, who's introverted, who's extroverted, you know, and then how to approach these people and when, you know, and what to say. So, um, so that part is missing. I'm not sure I can be taught. I'm not sure how it can be, uh, how they can be better prepared for it. But, you know, it, it's worth a try, you know, and in my case, you know, if I, if I can be part of these uh, curriculums and then deliver, you know, obviously much more in them than what we're talking about right now, but you know, giving them tips and clues about what to do. You know, I've had, I've had, I've had a system myself that, you know, we're trying so hard to be, uh, again, because people are eager, they want, to be, they want to fit in, you know, they know that, hey, if, if the player like me, they're going to be a, it's, I'm going to be well perceived, and it's going to be easier for me. But guess what? Sometimes this is uh, this is not really the case. You know, players can can read through people. You know, so when you're coach, you're coach. You're not a player, so there are some boundaries that you have to respect. So all 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 that stuff that I, that I've observed over the years that you know. So mostly it's it's mostly on the human skills. You know, it's uh, the the rest is uh, they have the hardware. You know, they're missing the software and. Uh, I know it's vague. I don't have any. Um, I hope you get an idea of, of what I want, what I mean. But yeah, that that part, that part is hard. And I can give you so many practical examples. Uh, again, I got a play, I got a coach that was trying so hard to fit with the players. You know, and it was a national team during uh, during the World Cup. The players have a nickname for him, nickname, and I've, I've been telling him, listen, I know you, I know you're young, I know you're very happy to be here, and you you're good at what you do. You're trying to help. It's a way to do it, you know. Um, don't cross that line. You know, the players read through it, you know, and, and eventually I told him, listen, you know the players have a nickname for you. And they really say, yeah, ah, what? I said, they nickname you 24. And I said, what, 24? What do you mean? I said, yeah, there's 23 players on the roster. You're trying so hard to be one of them that they, they are like, okay, here's 24 coming, you know? And he, <laughs> and he couldn't see this. So once, once you've lived it once, you know, if, if you are... Uh, Again, if you if you're smart, if you uh, if you have this uh, self-reflection power, you know, which all of us need, then lesson learned, you know, which in this case was the case. But the, it, it's even better if you don't have to go through this. Yeah, I think it's great, and and this is where it re- becomes really important to draw from experiences and experienced practitioners like yourself, mm-hmm. doesn't it? To, that have been that have witnessed the, this sort of environment, but at the same time. I think, and, and I'm sure you, you'll probably agree with this, is that people do have to experience it. They've got to be in that environment to know exactly what it's like and experience not to the, hopefully not to the degree like that, but um, make mistakes and be involved in it and, and see exactly what it's like and develop, develop their own sort of, um, their, their own sort of experiences on it, don't they? Yeah, and yeah, 100%. And it, it, it's even harder now, I would say nowadays, than it was, you know, when, when you know, let's say I have a national team, the US national team, this is 2002, you know, and, and I'm a one-man's band, you know. I mean, there's no fitness coaches in MLS. So you end up going right and left, and then, you know, you're doing, uh, you're doing everything that, that you have staff for now, you know, I used to do it myself, obviously. So it was an astro and the technologies were different, you know. But now, if, you, if you're part of a staff like this, you're so, um, your skill set is so specific, you know, that obviously it's, uh, it's easier to sleep, uh, to sleep, you know, outside of, you know, what, what you're supposed to do, you know. And, and you're also judged by the players more harshly because 
this is what you do. You better be good at it, you know. Uh, and then, you know, don't try to do what other guys are doing. That's why the head of performance is now in charge of making sure that the, the players and the staff understand that we're a team, you know, and that's the way I see things. I'm not, you know, um, I'm not for the compartments, you know, this is what it does, this is what it does, this is what it does, and this is it. This is very French, for example, in France, you know, well, I'm saying, I'm saying France with the, uh, the English accent, France. Uh, in France, uh, I mean, this is really, you're a fitness coach, you do fitness, don't even tell me about, you know, a formation or anything else. Uh, the, the way I've been used to and developed to some extent, you know, is mostly in, in English countries, you know, whether it's the UK or the, the US. And, and the coaches have been around, most of them have been, um, you know, and I go back, Bob Bradley was, is, is a perfect example that he, he integrates every part of the coaching staff, you know, and, and you're not reduced to, you know, what your skill, your primary skill set is, you know, you can, we have always, we have a dialogue and then this, the players can see what's happening and then I think it flows much better and that's what I've been trying to do with my performance tasks. Yeah, it, it makes sense, doesn't it, that we understand, and this is a real um, common topic that we've had in the last few episodes, is that people have to all be pulling in the same direction, and everyone has different skill sets, don't they? But we, we have to understand the different roles and, and fit in with each other, because it isn't just a case of bouncing players from one practition to the other. We've all got to work no. together, haven't we? And that cohesiveness is really important. Of course, you know, I mean, listen, you lead by example. So if you, if you are structured, if you are cohesiveness, you use the term, if, uh, you know, if the understanding, you know, the system, whatever, you know, uh, among the performance staff, number one, and from the head of performance to the coaching staff, number two, if this is not fluid, then don't expect, don't expect, you know, um, the players, you know, uh, By, um, uh, they're leading by example, you know. So if you tell them, hey, we have, an, we have a coaching staff, the door's always open, open dialogue, you know, encourage and recommend it. And if they see that there's no such dialogue between the coaches, and, you know, I mean, all of a sudden you, you're doomed from day one. So, so clearly, yes, uh, there has to be, I mean, that's the way I see things, you know. And I think, just like you said, I think this is, this is what makes sense. There has to be... A, clear lines of communication you know and and yes there should be a hierarchy you know that's the downside because when we have clear lines of communication when everybody's got um a, a prime a primary responsibility but also a role to play in, in other you know like uh, areas uh sometimes you don't want this to uh, you don't want to send the wrong message that uh you know everybody can do pretty much what he wants at any time that's not the case there's always this hierarchy that's got to be clear but in the meantime you know, uh, everybody should be uh, within the coaching staff, uh, should be able to uh, voice an opinion at any time, you know. This is, this is why you know, I've been around coaches. One is a very famous player, and I can name him. Listen, it's Maradona, you know, when I was in, when I was in Dubai, you know. And, and, you know, I could see that the, player, the people that he had around him was just like almost like, you know, um, it was like a god for them, you know. So uh, you know they were not exactly, uh, you know, if if Diego said, you know, it's it's raining today, then it's raining, you know. 
I think we'd refer you know to what? that as like a, a yes man. So he just they just agree with everything that he says. Yeah, you know, and for uh, and again, you know, you the main the main moral about the Maradona story is this, um, you know, you you want to have, to be successful. You want to have people around you that they are able to challenge you. You know, what's the point? I mean, you know, the secret is to find people that are smarter than you, literally to be in your staff, you know. Now, it requires, it requires a, uh, you know, you don't want to be insecure, you know, because this is what, you know, they say for whatever reason, oh, okay, I'm not going to get this guy, you know, I'm in my job. Sometimes it's, my job is going to be in trouble. And this is also, yes, men sometimes are just people that are afraid to be uh, either like uh, discovered because, you know, they, they, they're not good enough, you know, and then, so, you know, I don't think you're born a yes man. I mean, you know, to develop that that strategy, you know, for some other reasons, you know, oh, you're just not smart enough, and you just this, this is who we are. But that's rare. Um, and in this case, he was just little, you know, this is maybe maybe no, because he was he wasn't even an Argentine coaching staff, you know, so they were from other countries. So it's not like this was the idol in front of them. Um, but for me, I've learned from all the coaches around me that uh, you know you have to be challenged sometimes. You know, sometimes it's it's not easy because you have to be able to uh, have real conversation. You know, and uh, you have to, you have just like the players have to do. You know, you have to uh, you have to tell your teammate, or you have to tell you know some other coaches, or you have to be able to receive from the coach above you that um, you no know, hear things that you may not want to hear. You know, uh, but that's what that's what efficiency is in my mind. You know, you, you tell. You know, if, if if you're here to tell people what they want to hear, you never go too far, and a team doesn't go too far. And as a person or a professional person, you know, you just you get stale. So, so that's what I try to do. I try to surround myself with experts in their fields, um, and I try to encourage um, positive dialogue. Yeah, it's, I think that's the way forward, isn't it? And it's there's a lot that comes into it. There's ego. There's the culture of different. Clubs and uh, coaches, there's a, there's a lot that comes into that, isn't there, to create that environment? Yeah, it's, a, it's a, again, we talked about the human skills, you know, you would talk about uh, seeing through people, you know, um, that was missing from, from some of the uh, people coming straight from the university. Um, that's also a challenge for someone in my position, you know. I, I ran this global search when I arrived at the Galaxy for the... Um, for the performance department, and literally, I wanted to be—I wanted this to be global because I've been a victim in the past of uh, clubs not doing, you know, not not looking around to see what the talent was. And you know, let's face it—you know, nowadays there's still, in many cases, if a if a position's open, it's you know, does the head coach know someone, or does he know someone who knows someone? And I think. Because, like I said, you know, I've seen it happen. Um, for one position to build a, um, a staff, I really want to be do uh, reproduce what I, what I'd been a victim of. So I went global because I had the means, and it was okay. And I had the, the green light from from upstairs, and it took me a lot of time, a lot of literally, it's. It's it's a good thing to go out there and say, let's see, we're gonna we're gonna run an ad and we're really gonna look at all the CVs. It's not like we're running an ad even if the position is already filled, you know. And uh, and yes, it took me a, I mean a big part of my off season 
receiving all these CVs and looking through them and making selection and and doing 10 you know Skype interviews and then another round of five and then finally when you're down to three you know it's just it takes a lot of time that was for one position and we had two we had the, the head strength coach and we had the sports scientist um, but at the end of the day you know uh, you get to the three and this is where this strategy has its limits because you know, you have three great candidates in front of you, you know, and you're making decisions based on instinct, based on gut, based on what kind of individual you have in front of you. And sometimes it's just you know, like this, you know. And uh, But it's better than calling someone, hey, I have this, do you know someone? Because I don't, if you're a big club, if you have resources, come on, man, you should, you should put yourself in a position to... Uh, to see what's out there and recruit, you know, the, the best person available. But just to dive in that, into that a little bit more, I suppose when you get into those small numbers, like you say, it can be a bit of a gamble because you might have three super practitioners, super people sat in front of you and you could have taken all of them. Um, so not so much, I'm not referring so much as those final candidates, but I think it'd be great just to, if there is anything that sort of catches your eye, whether it's on CVs, whether it's when you speak to people, what is it that, that gets them through to the next stage from your from your point of view? Um, you know, it's depending. Again, I can only talk for the position I was in. You know, it was because um, everybody is different. You know, at, you know, different club, different stages. You know, I was looking for someone with experience, for example. So that that would be the thing that would look in the CV. So. Other than that, you know, there wasn't anything that would catch my eye on CVs. You know, once you get to this first list and then you talk to people on the phone and then you see them on video, for me, it was just to try to identify how genuine the person was, you know. So, again, we're going back to the human side of things, you know. Is it someone, the someone I have here, is it, you know, is it really uh, who he is? Or is he trying to be someone else during the interview? You know, uh, is he trying to show him off? Is he dropping names? And if, if he's dropping names, maybe because is it justified or not? You know, so you know, there's no real rules. But for me, it was again trying to identify what type of person I have in front of me. You get to the point where the the, the skill set is, is is similar. You know, you get to the point when we have, let's say, um, someone who's beating a someone who's been in the position for, you know, five, ten years, so he knows the job, he's had results, you know, he's been to different, I know, for us, he was obviously um, having, you know, having the ability to travel, you know, when you come, when you move to a different country, to the west coast of the US, you know, what's your family situation, so like, usual criteria. Again, my, the way I look at things is, do I have a good person in front of me? Is it someone that could come here and uh, and then and then work hard, and someone that can be a part of the team? Someone you know, is it trustful? And then um, and then you know, that's the way we went, and very happy with the selection we've made back then. I'm not part of it anymore. The guys are still there, so that that's that's uh, I guess that's one more way to uh, to show that this uh, search was was led, and then produce the result expected. 
And I know that was a, a tough question. There wasn't going to be specific answers because it is subjective, isn't it, to what what gets put in front of you. But it was just good to get your point of view on it. Yeah, I mean, it has to be subjective. I mean, if it's not, then, you know, I mean, if it's just checking boxes and then, you know, I think this is just absolutely counterproductive. There's no point doing the search, you know. So uh, early on, to apply, uh, and and then and then it's uh, you know team sports you know it's a team sport with different people you know it's sociology so uh, and you make decision at the end and you hope uh, it's the right one there's no certainty it is because you have three you know in that case it was three it could have been five uh, very good options in front of you and um, you know this is like the the bachelor on TV and the bachelorette, you know, one, one, you know, every other time, you know, you pick one at the end and then he goes back to the, to the previous one. We can do that. <laughs> I could pretend that I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, so, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, you do. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> I just wanted to give you a quick update on our online community. So I know Pierre references um, some of the work he did over in the States and our recent, most recent webinar is from Harry Routledge. Uh, ties in quite nicely with this episode because Harry did a webinar on the high performance environment. So you can go and check that out now. That is available with many other webinars. So I think we've got over eight hours of webinars available now on the community, as well as 10 of our presentations from our network meetings. And I've, I've just took the time in the last week or so to go back through some of the presentations and the webinars and there's some great content on there so go and check it out you can sign up at footballfitfed.com click the community tab at the top and if you sign up there that'll give you a free month on the community and after that it is only £4.99 per month you get access to all the webinars all the presentations that are on there now and then all future webinars which we have just confirmed a few webinars um, that are going to be coming very soon which I'm excited to bring you from some great practitioners Um, and then when our network meetings can get going again you'll get access whether you can make the meeting or not you'll get access to the presentation from the meeting as well and we have also just launched this has been a long time coming and we've just launched our whatsapp group for our community as well so it just gives us a really easy way of staying in touch with fellow members getting some good conversation going um, and discussions going as well so Come and join us, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign up there, and you'll get yourself a free month to see what it's all about. Here is part two of the episode with Pierre. I think to dive into, a good part to dive into now, um, taking into consideration the clubs you've worked with and the, the practitioners that you've worked in and the different approaches of coaches as well would be periodization. Um, something that's talked about a lot and there's obviously a lot of different approaches to it and a lot of different strong views on it. But generally, if we start general as a, a general point of view on periodization from, from your perspective and then we can dive a little bit more um, into your approach. Um, so, you know, it's, periodization is one of these themes, you know, that you know, exist around the, uh, the, the world of high performance. And, and, and to be fair, and it's also something that, over the years, you know, my, my, my view has changed on, you know, um, and I'm not the only one. I was listening to, a, um, I think it was Darren Burgess, maybe like last week, that was saying that, you know, how have you evolved in your coaching? And Darren and I, we're probably the same age. I remember like 
we met in the uh, in the bush in South Africa, you know, before the World Cup of Ten when we play a friendly against Australia. So, um, and, and he said that you know he's probably not not as much set in his own ideas now than than, than he was before, and he understands that you know you have to be uh, flexible, you know. And that's periodization for me. I was a uh, I was a little rigid, you know, when I started, when I thought that this has to be planned. Going back to what we we're talking about, people coming out of university, you know, we, we have a tough time, you know, like um, putting everything in perspective. Um, but really, I, I want to say that overall, uh, over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I haven't been a big fan of periodization, to be honest with you. I mean, I use it, but I wouldn't, this wouldn't be like a priority. In my um, uh, you know, Mourinho was in the same case. You know, he got it, like the tactical periodization was imported by the, the, the Portuguese school. And I was reading something, an interview from him late, maybe a year ago. He said, you know, he's been coming back from it, and now you know he doesn't he doesn't pay as much attention or or, or use it as much as, as as in the past. So, so for me, national team was a whole different animal compared to a club team. Obviously, um, uh, less camps more time to plan and then you get these six weeks leading to a major competition so during these six weeks I would use a stair theory you know uh, which is to some extent what I'm using with the club team now so I use I get I get mesocycles you know six to eight weeks um, I, I don't believe that you should in September dictate your volume and intensity you know or of what uh, an April practice should be, you know. I really think it's just. I mean, we talk about the instability of a of, of a club environment, of a coaching staff and stuff, and I think it's just it's just unrealistic, you know. So I, like I said, I break it down by let's say four to six weeks, um, adjust the volume, have have. Uh, yeah, unloaded week. You know, that's that's one way you can say it. Uh, obviously, we don't completely unload, but I try to I try to go by this by this theory. You know, um, there's also some big words out there. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, I used to call it the wave theory. You know, when you don't go too high, don't go too low, which is, and now I was saying like the a few days ago during one of the webinar. I don't know if it was a joke from a friend of mine, but he was talking about the undulating. Uh, wave periodization model. Uh, I was like, wow, you know, or reci undulating reciprocal periodization model. I was like, yeah, wow, it used to be the wave theory, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I break it down, mesocycles, um, deal with the intensity and the volume, have a noted a noted week, and that's from a team's perspective, best case scenario, because as we know. Um, you know, I think we may we may be talking about fatigue. You know, as we know, this is a very individual um, topic. So I start from the individual, you know, and then my periodization is more, you know, a product of a product of what I have in front of me, um, knowing that what we do influences these guys. But there's so many other factors that we can control, and that we don't control yet. That I think it'd be foolish to um, to project yourself in the future. You know, when results. Uh, injuries, situation of the field um, can occur. Yeah, and, and fatigue is something that we did want to touch on. And I think it's a, a really relevant topic right now as well, because 
with um, a lot of clubs, a lot of coaches going back into training and um, depending on obviously where people are in the world, uh, over in the UK, we're not far from restarting a season now. We're going to go into a quite hectic period. There's going to be a lot of games in a short amount of time, which is going to cause a lot of fatigue and players have been basically in control of their own training for a certain period. So what, what what's your approach of, of keeping players fresh and what would you be looking at as well and what would be some priorities in this this time, which is quite a unique time? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think it's specific to this time. This time was specific in terms of the stress they went through, you know, that we've all been through. Um, but, you know, fatigue is a fascinating topic because... Is such a, a vast, you know, and vague, you know, topic at the same time. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, what's causing fatigue. So, yeah. Um, I wrote my thesis 20 years ago on cramps, you know, on the cramps etiology, you know, what's causing cramps. And here we are literally 20 years later on such an important, you know, um, uh, um, that's the word in English, uh, pathology to some extent that we witness all the time, you know, debilitating pathology. And I don't think we know more about cramps now than 20 years ago. Actually, I do. We don't. Um, so what's causing fatigue? Yeah, I mean, we know, I mean, that's, we know, you know, the, um, uh, we know what's out there. You know, it could be the, it could be dehydration. We can control that. You know, the lack of sleep. Can we control this? Mm, yeah, we, we could to some extent. You know, does he have sleep apnea? You know, does he have a medical condition? So these are the easy ones. You know, all the things we have, you know, to, uh, to overlook. Uh, it doesn't eat well. Well, we can we can fix that. You know, uh, the overtraining. I'm not a bit, you know, I always say there's no such thing as overtraining. It's, it's like uh, there's under there's a, the, it's only under recovery. You know, that's, that's, the, way I, that's the way I see things. Um, so overtraining, I can mention it, but, you know, like I said, you can control this. The weather you can control. That's one thing. Uh, you know, and then you go to the, the subjective one, and that's trouble. You know, uh, the objective we, uh, we talked, so that's, these, these are the ones we have an effect, but all the subjective ones. Um, and this is where now we have protocols in place, but this is where it goes down to the uh, single individual, to the player. And that requires the human skill that I keep referring to. It's like a broken record. Uh, that that required a, a common sense approach. And even so, you know, a lot of time now they talk about fatigue is a sleep uh, the deprivation or deprivation in English? Not sure. Yeah, Which deprivation. 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 You know, but you know, it's is it is it what fatigue is? You know, it's not that simple because you can be fatigued for all some other mental aspect. You know, if if let's say let's say there's a someone is sick in your family. You know, all that stuff. So it's it's a little more complicated than than sleep, and then the the. the uh, yeah, I mean, if if you look at the the athlete that you have, you know, also so, sometimes designed to uh, to deal with to deal with uh, the most complicated, you know, events. You know, you say, okay, my athlete is going to be mentally tough, and uh, and and you and you re you realize it's not the case at all. You know, they're human being. You know, so again, I'm rambling because there's so much to say. You know, and then I get to the few strategies that we have in terms of 
the sleep side, for example. You know, the other ones, you know, you know, you have the you have the RP in the morning. You know, you have the um, you know the all the controllables that I mentioned. You know, we don't have to go over the over all the technologies and and the the, the tools in place in 2020. We all know this. You know, the the one thing I the one thing I question, you know, for me to go deeper into the fatigue topic is that, uh, um, like, if, if if an athlete is mentally fatigued, you know, and it is the mental side, you know, the, the, the subjective is is the one I'm trying to to get a good grasp on. Then the same task, um, the task that they do every day is going to become more challenging to them, you know. So it's like. It's like a slippery slope, you know, it's like a never ending process, you know, fatigue is never, you know, the acute fatigue is not a problem, but the, the, the issue that you get with the fatigue are always like cumulative, cumulative, you know, efforts or strains on and off the field that end up, you know, taking their toll. Um, and you have to have, you have to be out there being able to, um, to, to see the signs. Um, Curry was saying that, yeah, Curry was saying this is that, you know, if I miss a, if I miss a three throw, then it's um, then people are going to be judging, you know, as a, a technical miss. But nine times out of ten is uh, is um, that you know it's the mind, you know, it's the mind. And that task that is so so easy, uh, if it gets late in games or if it gets late in the season or late in the in the cycle, when you talk about periodization, then uh, that's what makes me miss. No different than being able to execute at the end of the game. This is sometimes also a question. It was Tim Hewitt. Uh, Tim Hewitt was talking about, and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, this is probably the most interesting thing I picked, uh, I picked up out of all these webinars lately. Um, so in terms of strategy, opinion, um, you know, they always say that as you get fatigued, you're more, you're more injury prone. You know, the risk of injury goes up. But fatigue, you know, you... Um, your speed of execution, you know, your max speed decreases, uh, which is a, which is true, you know. So you can always look at it from both sides. It says, you know, uh, force is mass times uh, speed square, um, and then that, and then the velocity is going down. So, uh, so that 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 part is, you know, that you, you gotta you gotta respect this, you know. And uh, so I think we're rushing to conclusion with all these topics, and I think that the. Um, it's much more complicated than than what than some people uh, would like to uh, to make it sound. Let's say fatigue is uh, your your players is not sleeping enough, you know, for whatever reason, you know. And and again, I said that this is not this is not uh, um, this is not the only reason, but for the sake of argument, because um, before I answer again, I'm talking too much, but. Uh, you know, because you know that when you do all these studies, you know the 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 KPI that are really impacting the mental fatigue are going to be uh, it's a training load, and within the training load, it's it's going to be um, so it's a training load because it's going to be perceived fatigue, muscle soreness, uh, and then the sleep and stress. So the four questions that you have the during the the RP and the questionnaire, but if you if you break down the training load, it's it's uh, it's distance, high speed running and distance you know these would be the three ones that definitely impact the way these guys are going to be answer answering the uh, the wellness questionnaire you know so this we know and we can control to some extent this has been shown over time um now when it comes to the sleep side of things what can you do i had a player in england that wasn't sleeping well okay and we knew this 
and he was trying to sleep better. So you use all the things that you have out there available for you nowadays. So you said, okay, or is it is your bedroom quiet? Yes, okay. Uh, how's your bed? You know, you control again, control, control, bedroom. Okay, bed's taken care of. Temperature, is temperature, is it, uh, is your bedroom cold enough? You know, they say 16 to 18 Celsius is the best temperature. Okay, good, here it is. Um, is it completely dark? Yes, it is. So you go through all this, you know, how about your mind, you know, make sure that you don't use the white light, you know, stay away from the white light. You, the, the night shift, you know, is really not something that, but it's better than nothing, better than anything. Get rid of the screens, you know. Uh, take a lukewarm shower. Don't eat uh, nutrition side. Okay, you control. Uh, nothing, exciting, um, nothing to excite you, you know, starting, let's say, 4 p.m. You go extreme. Um, no caffeine, all that stuff. Don't nap. Okay, sleep a lot of time, sleep alone, you know, because you have kids, you have the dog, you have the wife, you know, so maybe you have your own room, just to be clear. Uh, you know, can you breathe? You know, can you spread the nose? All that stuff that you know that it's out there, once it's done, okay, and you're still not sleeping. So now technology, you know, you have, you know, let's say it's fatigue science, you're using fatigue science, and he doesn't fall asleep until 3 a.m. He's doing all the things that you recommend, you know. So just like my, my example of the cramps, you know, you end up uh, nine times out of ten in a dead hand, you know. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. No, I exaggerate, you know. Um, in half of the cases, all the, uh, all the uh, protocol that you have, you know, are going to help, you know, and it's going to work, you know. It's not, it's not going to be easy because the player's got his own bio clock, but you can modify, the, you can modify this somehow. But if it doesn't work, then what do you do? You know, you send him to the hospital, you know, he's going to have, be tested and you have all the neurological tests. And at the end of the day, you have a player that fall, falls asleep at 3 a.m., has to wake up at 7 because he has to be at the training center. And then you have someone talking about someone who's injured, uh, who's fatigued and is more injury prone, and there you have one. So the only option that I see for a guy like this is go play in Spain. You know, I coach in Spain, you train at you train level. 12 or oh, you know if you really want to go by the science then you um then you uh then you have a training for him later in the day but you know, obviously it's a team sport you know but and this is why you uh you make complex decisions and this, this is why you have to understand that it's not all about your area going back to a young kid from the university you're a little part of the equation and then you have your set of ideas, your set of data, but the coach has got his set of data as well. And, and at the end of the day, he's the boss. And you cannot afford to have a player train on his own in the afternoon. Maybe you can do it once, you know, just to give him some relief during the week. Uh, but that's not, you can suggest, you cannot decide. And this is, this is what you do. So again, you know, I mean, here I was like, there's, there's an app in the US, it's called Calm, you know, and then LeBron James is big on it, you know. That's another thing that I, that 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 you can use, but you know, you get your bio clock, you can try to reset it, and um, and then you can hope for the best. But we are limited in terms of of what we can do in this particular area, a simple area of sleep. And I say simple, I shouldn't because it's really overlooked uh, when it's when it's crucial. You know, we know people. I mean, we know in the US for sure people don't sleep enough. I don't know, but hey. Like players during confinement, and all of a sudden the, the sleep go, goes way up, you know, uh, which could be interpreted that maybe they don't get enough in, in a regular setting.
So we know you need eight, you, you know you need eight. And and if you're a young, healthy athlete, you know, um, my son is track athlete. He runs for his university. He's been sleeping 12 since he's been here. He's 18, you know, and um, that's not abnormal, you know. And if you sleep, then maybe because you need it. And we realize that some of our guys may, may not need what, what, may not get what they need. So you make sure they do. And then you have the these medical cases. You have these... Um, pathological cases that you try your best but you know it's it gets to a point where you've tried everything and it's not solved i think that's a a great way of of bringing it back to that advice for young practitioners or students because this really does come down to managing the individual doesn't it and we learn all the processes we learn how we learn the data sets that we can get and all the different bits of tech that we can use but it's still and and Darren Darren Burgess actually on our um, network meeting in Manchester told some great stories that is very similar to what you're saying here. That um, when they were at Arsenal, we told some some stories on certain players that um, they tried putting things in place. But it comes down to knowing the player, doesn't it? And it comes down to managing that individual, regardless of all the all the data sets that we can get out of it. I had a, I had a, I had a World Cup winner. From France, you know, I'm not going to name his name, but he's from France. He was playing for the New York Red Bull, and I was a consultant back then. Back when the MLF didn't have enough um, qualified um, fitness coaches, you know, and literally I was consulting for a few clubs, and um, and I put together the coaching lessons, the fitness coaching lessons for US soccer, and obviously you, you can see how this is maybe 12, 13 days, 13 years later, how the league has evolved. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, he was getting hurt and uh, and the first thing I did because the coach was very good guy and very good coach and very smart I said listen you know he, we need to shut him down you know we need to shut him down and then really make sure we take care of this uh, shutting down meaning from team training you know and then really have go through a strict two to three weeks physical preparation phase in order for him to, uh, to give him a chance. And listen, the football, again, this is a guy that is not going to lose his football um, at his age in two to three weeks, you know. But, you know, if he can be 100% um, at, of his uh, physical uh, abilities, capacity, then, then it's, it's the, right, the right way to go about things. And, and, of course, the coach said yes and stuff. And I remember having being with him, doing some physical exercising, using hurdles on the track in the afternoon. You know, we had some session on the field in the morning. And then all of a sudden, he was fit as a fiddle. He had zero body fat and stuff. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, popping out of the conversation, you know. Yeah, but, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't sleep much, you know. So this guy was almost insomniac, you know. And uh, forget the hurdles. Forget about... Uh, you know, all the strategy we were doing, you know, and, and also he was eating salads. I mean, literally salads, like, like the lettuce and nothing else. So, again, I was like, this okay, good. Come, I'm this happy. This is coming you know, straight you... after an episode, a nutrition episode, Pierre. So, Matt, Matthew Jones will not be happy about hearing that after everything he went into in the previous episode. <laughs> all right. So, if he can, Matthew, call me. You know, if, if lettuce is great, for only lettuce is great, then... 
I could learn, you know. And then the uh, and I was like, great. I was just, he's like, what do you mean, great? I was like, great, because that's there's a strong lead here, you know. Let's start with this, you know. Let's start with this and forget about. I remember we had the hurdles. I just knock it down. So all right, let's go back, you know. Uh, let's fix this first, and then we see, you know. I mean, obviously, it was I was exaggerating, but it's like, well, okay, I don't spend, and nearly I don't eat. Okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and this is uh, this is this is again this is, this was a big name. So um, going back to going back to you know the simple topic of um, you know, how much and how well do you sleep? I think that that's such an important point because that that comes down to the real art of coaching and the skill of a practitioner to be able to because all the players are getting a very similar. Um, coaching approach aren't they they're all going through the the coaching model as a whole in terms of the team environment but when you can pick the player out and and just pick those individual things out that the player could could potentially really benefit from that's the really important side of coaching isn't it yeah absolutely I mean that's actually what drew me into the uh, the, the physical you know like uh, coaching you know uh, when at the beginning I was talking about the career and I said you know like the last coach like quote unquote coaching I did was coaching the uh, under nineteen for the uh, the UAE, you know. Um qualifying the team for the Asian Cup because they need someone and so many, there was so much rotation and had the diploma and ended up doing this. So this was now six years ago. Um you know but what drew me to the physical side and I, first of all because I think I've much better equipped to uh to coach performance than to coach uh, you know the rest and I, and also I like it more. Yeah? It, but my point was that, um, you know, when you deal with, when, when you coach, um, when you're a physical coach, let's say, uh, you deal with the human body and the human brain. You know, there's no referees. There's no, um, you know, at least there's no formation. You know, all these, all these um, uncontrollables, I don't have, you know, I don't have the weather and all that stuff. So, so that's the easy part, you know, and the fact that that attracted me because yeah, I was like, okay, this is the body, no matter where you're from, no matter all you are, you know, if you do this, then you're going to get better and you're going to get there if the method is right. But then the challenge is to develop the eye for, um, you know, for the signs, because now you get to have this sometimes one-on-one relationship, you know, or maybe small group relationship. Um, so now you got to get the uh, communication skills and also the eye to uh, to see the signs, you know. And in this case, for example, I didn't see the signs, you know. So on that day, if he doesn't all of a sudden, you know, because maybe now he's saying, okay, um, I have confidence in this guy. This guy maybe knows what he's doing. I don't know what prompted him to finally, because it wasn't me asking him that day, are you sleeping? You know, he was popping up in a conversation, which in retrospect, now I'm a much better coach because I would have popped that question way way in advance you know and back then so but again that's that's the um that's a challenge also of a of a performance not only a head of performance a performance staff that's also how i like to uh, break down you know my staff because let's face it we don't all have we don't have time to have conversation with all the players and Figuratively, we don't. I don't have much. Time, I don't have equal time for all the players. You know, we have players where we get along. You know, uh, some you get along better than some others. So you have two options: either you're bullshitting people and saying, "I love you equal," you know, or you say, "You know, I have more 
points in common with him. Um, and then in my staff, you know, maybe you have more things in common with him. So as long as the whole um, team is covered and no one slips through the cracks, then, then you're all set, you know. And it could be whatever, you know, when I was in Fonti, you know, all of a sudden I was, I was uh, dealing with the, uh, the Spanish player because I speak Spanish. You know, and no one else was in his in his staff. So these guys were—I mean, one guy again, another World Cup winner in Spain—and uh, had a very good relationship with him because he was coming from the Basque Country. I'm from the Basque Country. I speak Spanish. He would just you know the Spanish weather and all this. Listen, it's just all of a sudden you click, you know. And uh, and maybe I wasn't clicking as much with some other players, but they were part of. There were people in the, in the staff that that were, and then and that's. For me, that's a very realistic approach of the staff as opposed to say, yeah, no, you know, I mean, if he's going to be fine and then you're going to be able to connect with everybody. No, it's not. That's not how, that's not how it is. I think that's just the case with a group of people, though, in general, isn't it? Like, we're yeah, not, we're not going to get on with everyone. And I think the, the sooner no. we realize that and the fact that, and Colin Lewin um, spoke about this as well um, in, in a previous episode, a few episodes ago, he said exactly the same thing. He was talking more from a physio point of view, but he said exactly the same, that he used to suit the physio to the personality because he knew that that relationship could build. And it makes sense, doesn't it? We're not all going to get on. No, no, absolutely not. And then, and then it's, it's obviously you're stepping up a notch when you're in a, uh, a professional environment in, in, in football, and especially as you go up, because you end up with, you know, it's not like you're going, I'm going to be in the street here talking to 10 people, which I'm in Manhattan Beach, California, and most of them are going to be from. National, you know, rosters, you know, you have, um, you have all these different players with different, you have like big, you have egos, more, I mean, big or not, you know, you have, you know, you have. It's a it's a more more complex group than you know the average group you're going to meet here in the street, and, um, and this is why it requires also you know if if your staff have different trajectories, different stories, you know come from different backgrounds, then then you optimize your chances to uh, to cover the whole uh, the whole team, you know. And then once you get this, because that's that's once this on paper this approach is going to be easier because these two people are supposed to connect better then obviously the expertise takes over, you know? I mean, you have to be good enough. You have to be able to deliver to really establish that strong working relationship with, with the athlete. No, definitely. Now, Pierre, I can't yeah. believe that that has been over an hour. It literally feels like we've been talking about half an hour, but that has absolutely flown. Um, I know the signal has dropped out a few times, but I'm hoping that I can listen back and we've got a, a good amount of information there because I think that, some of the points you've raised there have been absolutely amazing and really, really valuable for coaches. Um, I just wanted to ask a couple of things just in terms of, of keeping up to date with yourself. One, I think it would be great um, to get you back on in the future and discuss the findings from what you're, the work you're doing with FIFA. I know a lot of that will probably be released, but it'd be great to have you back on in the future just to talk through that. Um, yeah. But I wanted to, to ask, is there any um, speaking engagements you've got coming up or anywhere that people can keep an eye on, any, anything coming up? Uh, my, my next engagement are the vacation in France. You know? <laughs> and, I, and I signed for this. Uh, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to fly back. It's a bit complicated. So uh, 
No, I mean, you know, I've, I've had a few, I'm going to be talking to a few webinars, but nothing major in the future. Um, so, yeah, and I'm not part of a club right now. So, you know, I got my, I got some, like anyone else, I got a LinkedIn account, a Twitter account, uh, but nothing, no brig, no, just like in the past, no uh, big uh, conventions or uh, symposium, you know, planned because, you know, the, it's, it's harder right now to have like a thousand people in an auditorium. Um, mm -hmm. So there would be things popping up. Uh, like I said, I have a, uh, I have another web, I have a webinar planned for, for next week. Um, but no, nothing major, nothing major. We're going to have to wait for the next episode of the FFF. Of course, definitely. No, I'll point people in the, in the direction of your Twitter though, because it'd be good for them to, to keep an eye on, um, what you're up to. And obviously when you get, when you get into the next role as well, um, people can stay up to date on that. But I honestly look really looking forward to what comes out of, of all the, the work you're doing with FIFA. But I want, just want to say a massive thank you as well for coming on because it's been great to speak to you and the time has absolutely flown. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, the FIFA thing where well, we, um, there would be some glow, there would be some countries reports produced at the end of this year. And then this, would be compacted into a global report. How much of this is going to be made public? Uh, I don't know. I, I can't speculate on this because there's a lot of confidential you know, stuff. Uh, but I can say is that uh, I truly believe that this is going to be uh, it's going to make a big difference for for many countries in the world. You know, and uh, and always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Anytime. I want to apologize in advance. Twitter. You know political situation in the US with the current president we have and made me, you know, like in the time I have on my hand, I throw a little bit of politics in there. But uh, so if they agree with the White House right now, you know, maybe they should stay away until November. But other than that, they're still in the middle of all this. There's a lot of performance related uh, <laughs> articles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we better not get into politics because uh, I don't know where that's going to go. <laughs> but no, I... I... <laughs> No, Pierre, thank you very much for coming on, mate. I really do appreciate it. It's great for you um, to give up your time because I know you've got plenty going on at the moment as well. So uh, it's great to have you on and I look forward to getting this out to everyone. All right, thanks. Good having me anytime. Thank you very much, Pierre. We'll stay in touch. You're welcome. Big thanks to Pierre for giving up his time. I know he's very busy with everything he's got going on at the moment. Um, obviously, it's coronavirus, COVID has affected us all. And um, like he spoke about in the episode, it's it's hit him in terms of travel. So I know he's, he's very busy at the moment. So a big thank you to Pierre for coming on. It was great to catch up with him. You can go and give him a follow on Twitter. He's at Pierre underscore Barrio. So I'll just spell his name. So P-I-E-R-R-E underscore B-A-R-R-I-E-U. And again, another one with loads of takeaways for me. But I think one of the main ones, which is why I titled the podcast what I did, was impactful coaching. And by that, he spoke about a few examples where he's worked with players and had the opportunity to make a real impact on how they prepare. And I think that's a big, big part of what we do. And it's something we spoke about in the episode that um, as you get more experience, that is, they are the times where you can have the greatest impact with a player on the one-on-one -on -one basis and it's making the most out of those times as well. So that was a big takeaway for me. He also spoke about um, when we're fatigued that we're doing less sprints. 
So we talk about being um, possibly having greater potential of getting injured when we are fatigued. But Pierre was questioning that by saying that we will do less sprint. So is the potentially a, a, le- a lower injury risk because we're not doing as many sprints? Um, we, he also spoke about the mental fatigue. So I think he referred to Stephen Curry, the basketballer, talking about shooting three-pointers. And he talks about when he misses three-pointers, a lot of the time it isn't physical fatigue, it's, a, it's more of a mental fatigue. And that is definitely something we have to take into account with working with players. I think, and I don't like referring to this period a lot, but unfortunately I've ended up doing it in the last few episodes, but... I think this is a time that proves it. Like, There's a lot of stuff that go, that's going on. There's a lot of stresses out there for players, not just in terms of how we're preparing for football, but just personally as well, like possibly illnesses in the family, um, being away from loved ones, all that sort of stuff can cause some extra fatigue. So it's something we have to take into account when working with players. Um, and then also the, the other thing that stuck out to me was where Pierre talked about, I think, his option of, of working either more as a technical coach or going down the physical route. And he chose the physical route because I think he said that uh, you deal with the human body and the brain as a high-performance coach rather than external factors, so taking into account like refereeing decisions and all that sort of stuff. And and obviously that still does impact us because we are about the game at the end of the day, but I I sort of get where he's coming from with that, that we're, we're dealing with the human and that's the side that we have to understand. So... They were my takeaways. Um, Again, like I said in the last few episodes, it'll be great to hear yours. I'm sure there's plenty from this one because there's plenty in this episode that you'll be able to take away from. Um, So reach out, give us a tag on Twitter, tag both Football Fit Fed and Pierre in on Twitter. Let us know what you thought of the episode and your biggest takeaways. It'd be great to hear from you. And also give the episode a share, like I mentioned at the start. Please share the show. It'd be great to get it out to as many people as possible. And the reputation of the show from you guys sharing it allows us to bring guests like Pierre on um, that I'm sure he wouldn't do if you if you hadn't done your sharing. So please keep that going and we'll, we'll try and uh, keep these good quality guests coming. So a huge thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate your support. And we will speak to you again next week. <laughs>